This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Okay, good afternoon. Hallelujah, I've got my voice. As much of it as I can muster. Praise the Lord for natural remedies. I'm excited you're here. This will be the last of our six presentations where we watch the Lord use Loami and Scotty. Uh, how many of you were blessed by the presentations they got to give? Whoever was here for those. All right. How many of you, this is the first time you're in any of these seminars? Okay, great. So we are going to go as fast as we can. Buckle your seatbelts. And uh, I will begin with prayer, if that's okay. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us here this afternoon on a, on a Sabbath day. Uh, these moments when we're together are a glimpse of paradise when we won't have to say goodbye anymore. Lord, thank you for giving me my voice, and I pray that you will speak through me, help this message to be very relevant, and Lord, at the end of it, help us to realize how awesome you are. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. I'm going to say some crazy stuff. I am willing to take the risk to do that. This book does not make as much sense without a newspaper. Until I began to understand this book and read the newspaper, my Laodicean Adventism was getting old. And this here doesn't really make much sense without one of these. And I know that may sound crazy, but these things have to go hand in hand. And I want to challenge you, if your minister does not take the things from this and make them a reality, challenge him or her on that. It's got to be real. Our message has to be a living, breathing entity. So today I'm not here to tell you all movies are bad. Just like the other day we didn't talk about all social media is bad, all music's bad, all, all video games are bad. I want to just find a way to show you what you have the ability to understand as a Seventh-day Adventist is profound. And as we look at the world around us, we have such an opportunity to be a blessing to people, to, bring, to pull the veil back on what's really going on in the world. And if there's something that I've seen from this, it's nobody knows who I am. Lawami may be famous, but you've come here probably because a title sparked your interest. And those titles are on what I believe, we got to start talking about this. The research is clear. Pornography has infected the Adventist church, even with our ministers. Drug use, alcohol abuse, addiction to film, addiction to video games. we got to talk about these things. And there's one issue we got to talk about more than anything else, and that's, who's this Jesus that can transform my life? And so today we're going to look at that, though you're thinking, wait a second, why does that say Lucifer on the screen? There's something that Adventists know the most about, I believe. And it's a privilege, and it's a duty and a responsibility. We know more about Jesus. I mean, it's unbelievable what we know about Jesus. But we know more about Lucifer than, I believe, any other group on the planet. And I would dare say that growing up in the Adventist system, I never really understood what this one was about. I never really understood what Jesus was about either. So today, I just hope this makes some sense. I hope it's relevant to you. If anything doesn't make sense, 
we're going to have some question and answer time at the end. Pray for my voice that it holds up because I can get excited and hope I doesn't run out of energy. But uh, here we go. I have the privilege of working with the Adventist Review Adventist world. For a long time, I swore I'd never work for the church. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't need anybody telling me I've got to go to committee for anything. And then the Lord said, you know what? You've been complaining one too many times about how the church isn't doing what it should be doing. So he gave me the, the privilege to work uh, in Silver Spring at the General Conference. Pray for your leaders. They are not immune to the realities that we're all in the midst of. And so I want to share with you something that's exciting that the Adventist Review is doing. We've got a million engaged millennials coming to our sites and our digital media each month. Our newest platform is called ARTV. Let me give you a short thing. You might have seen it the other night. I just want to show you what we're doing. If you create content, we want to share it with others. to be like a Netflix for short, inspirational videos. Uh, in the world of snacking, all we've got is three minutes a lot of times. So we've got a lot of short content. So I hope you'll check that out. I'd love to engage with you after this. So there's where you can find me on social media, my last name or my first and last name. This presentation, we're going to get into Lucifer, and we're going to go quickly. We're familiar with a, uh, a prophecy in Revelation 13 that tells us one day, all the world will, in many versions we read, wonder, right? In the New Living Translation, it says the whole world marveled. In 2 Corinthians, it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. You know, a lot of times in these venues, we preach loudly and, and passionately. Jesus is coming soon. When's the last time you heard Lucifer's coming soon? Because based on Adventist beliefs, based on Scripture, he's coming first. And the whole world will believe this is the arrival of the Messiah. How many of you are familiar with this brand? You should be, because they make a lot of movies. Now the title slide, Lucifer... I believe that we are in the midst of the coming out party, the marketing event, which is basically, is Lucifer as bad as everyone has thought? Any witnesses? Lucifer Morningstar. Is that a stage name? God-given, I'm afraid. So who is this guy? If, if you heard me the other night, I, I pitched an idea of if I were Lucifer, I'd make a surveillance state look fun, and I'd call it social media. I would replace jobs with artificial intelligence and turn the world into a welfare state. I would, uh, I'd encourage people to listen to music all the time. I'd, I'd make it talk about sex, because then it would lead their emotions and their minds to go all over the place. I'd entice people to watch sex rather than experience the love of the Creator. And then I'd get Hollywood to market all of it for me. And, and this is the world we live in. It's like, it, it's just, it's coming at us from all sides. I need two volunteers. I need people who, who feel like they have a grasp on pop culture. All right, one over here in the hat. All right, if you'll just sit here on the stage, please. And I need a lady. I need a lady. Okay. 
All right, now here's, here's the rules of this game. She's going to sit here if that's okay. Hello. Hello. What's your name? Larka. Larka? That's a pretty name. Chase. Okay. You cannot look towards me. Deal? Straight ahead. All right, here's the question. I'm an intelligent alien. Okay? I'm from another planet. I've never watched a movie before. Tell me about the theme of your Hollywood movies. What do they talk about? What's the theme? Love, okay. Good guy and a bad guy. Action. Death. What is it? A birth of a belief or a nation. Anything else? What is it? Violent. Say it again. Violent. Violent, yeah. Any other topics or subjects that your films are about on this planet Earth? Sex. Sex. Do, you, do you guys always talk about yourselves? Do you, do you talk about any other planets or uh, what, what do you talk about? Life on other planets or worlds, okay. Basic human needs. Anything else? You feel like that covers most of it? What is it? I said we seem to be obsessed with like, Earth getting destroyed. Obsessed with Earth getting destroyed or the end of the world. Okay, interesting. All right. So, if you guys want to look left, 2016, the largest share of all films was superhero films. Now, I need you to look forward again, I think, if I got my slides right. Okay, I'm gonna, I want to say something, and you have to finish it. Jesus and the blank are coming soon. Jesus and the devil are coming soon? What would you say? Jesus and the end are coming soon? Okay, what if you look at that slide, what would you say? Jesus and the angels, what would you say? Angels? Okay, thank you guys for your help. You were kind of right. You can sit down. Thank you. Jesus and the aliens are coming soon. How many of you thought angels? Just so they don't feel alone. Yeah, yeah. Same letters and all that good stuff. Why would people think that? Why would people think it's angels? Why would people think it's aliens? That's what we talk about in our films. The aliens are coming to destroy us. We destroyed the planet. We're, we're kind of obsessed with some of these themes. Why, why is that? I would like to tell you because if you don't know what is true, it is so easy to show you what is kind of true. The, the devil had this trick where God had to be true, but he could be true and false. So he gets to come on the scene and tell us things that kind of make sense, kind of sound spiritual, but aren't really. I saw the end of the world. I could feel all this death. Jean, it was just a dream. You wander through the willows In the forest you were found I've been called many things over many lifetimes Trying to hide Ram, Krishna, Yahweh What, did you hear that last line? I've been called many things in many lifetimes. Ra, Krishna, Yahweh. So, what that's doing in, in my mind is, oh, is Ra, the Egyptian god, while the Hebrews were there, the same as Yahweh, where they were called out to? And the only way I would know there was a distinction between Ra and Yahweh would be how? A Bible. 
So we, we shouldn't wonder if our friends watch this or if we watch this and we get confused on world events. And is Russia the, the beast power of Revelation 13? Unless you've got a Bible and you're comparing it with current events and, and you're staying true to something, it is easy to get washed away. It's easy to watch something and say, wait a second, maybe this is a Bible movie. Like the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. He got that one from the Bible. <coughs> well, the Bible got it from him. See, how would you know? He got it from the Bible. The Bible got it from him. If the earth's not 6,000 years old, maybe this guy was older, and therefore the Bible did get it from him. You know how it's just, you start to mucky the waters. So here we go. We're, get, we're getting into some scripture and some, some truth here. The lawless one will be revealed. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders, and check this, that serve the lie. They perish because they res refused to love the truth. Other versions say they refused to receive the love of the truth. And so be saved. So we, we covered on this topic a couple times. Two laws in the universe. I said the crazy statement that I don't think the Ten Commandments existed before the creation of the earth. I know it sounds crazy. I think that was the law. If there were doors and gates in paradise, I think the law said, none liveth to himself, and everybody found this natural. One is the truth, one is the lie. The other is, well, as we saw in our music presentation, most of our musicians in the world, wearing the t-shirts, do as thou wilt. You do what you want to do, take care of you, and all will be fine. Marriages fall apart, relationships fall apart, because one or the other says, I'm going to take care of me, and not you. But here's the result of that. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion, so that they will believe the lie. Now, God takes responsibility for things, not because necessarily he's the one who originated that. He's the, he's the ultimate manager of responsibility. But here he says, this is how the delusion comes. This is a long one. As the crowning act in the great drama of deception, Satan himself will personate Christ. Is there anybody here that didn't know Lucifer is coming before Jesus? I just want to know. Everybody knows this? The church has long professed to look at the Savior's advent as the consummation of her hopes. Now the great deceiver will make it appear that Christ has come. In different parts of the earth, Satan will manifest himself among men as a majestic being of dazzling brightness, resembling the description of the Son of God given in John, by John in the Revelation. The glory that surrounds him is unsurpassed, and the world's going to say, Christ has come, Christ has come. You're going to get a notification on your phone, Christ has come. And it's going to look something like this as John portrays Christ in Revelation. This white hair, this being that's healing people. People are going to bow down in adoration before him while he lifts up his hands and pronounces a blessing upon them as Christ blessed his disciples when he was on the earth. His voice is soft and subdued, full of melody. In gentle, compassionate tones, he presents some of the, most, some of the same gracious, heavenly truths which the Savior uttered. He heals the diseases of the people. This is the strong, almost overmastering delusion. Your friends are going to believe, and I pray not you, and I pray not them. Christ has come. This is what we've been waiting on. He's healing people. This is what humanity needs. Our superhero has come. Here's some things, if you want to just, I'll send you these notes. Anybody wants this, I'm happy to share it with you. Just some things that we understand from Scripture and the writings of Ellen White. The disciples are coming back to disagree with what they wrote. Heathen gods are coming to the cities of the earth. So the gods of other religions, maybe some have wondered, well, how is this going to happen? They're coming to the cities of the earth, and then we know dead relatives particularly are coming to Seventh-day Adventists. So here we go. Two billion Muslims are looking for the return of Isa al-Masih, or the Messiah. Two billion Christians are looking for the return of the Messiah. 
the New Age, looking for their Messiah. The Jews are looking for the Messiah. <coughs> Two-thirds of the earth is looking for a Savior. <clears throat> so it's no wonder our media, our art, is putting this call out. We desperately need a Savior. And two-thirds of us openly, publicly, are, are expecting this to happen at any moment. And this is who it's going to be. And there's got to be some things that you know and that you have a relationship with Jesus that reality cannot deter. Because this will be the overmastering delusion. I mean, you, you think Jesus, the Creator, creates Lucifer. And I think too often we make this story seem way too simple. And then Lucifer's a bad guy and Jesus doesn't like him and kicks him out and da 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 da. I would like to say these were probably best of friends. If Jesus was the Creator and Lucifer was the first created thing, we are told that Lucifer was the most beautiful thing ever created at that time. And so this was emotional. If you've ever had a close relationship with someone and things get in the way and there is a broken heart, this was a hard moment to, to see this relationship unravel. And from this story, we get our stories. Our best stories, the ones that make the most money, the ones that have the greatest following, come from this idea of there were these close gods and then something happened between the Father and the sons and, and then it, it, it went to another place and it, it came here. And then how are we going to get back? And how is humanity now involved? Uh, I mean, this is a money-making machine. With the success of Rogue One, the plan is every Christmas we're going to see a new Star Wars film. Because this story is fascinating. And, and anyone who's read Scripture understands the purest form of the story is this heartbreaking tragedy. And, and so this is where Star Wars gets its theme. Right? In other films, I mean, we, we could pull films out where there is a war in the galaxy and if you don't know Scripture, it's just so easy to start to get cloudy. And the devil doesn't need you to become an atheist, rejecting all truth. He needs you to be like I was. I believe in Ellen White. I went to Sabbath school. And I am going to see Jay-Z tonight for 2000 bucks. And I will justify it all day long. And I'm a good Adventist, and don't you tell me I'm not, because I'm probably better than you. Right? I've seen what you eat. I've seen what you drink. I don't do those things at the Jay-Z concert. Right? Our Laodiceanism, it becomes so permeating that we can justify anything. And, and so if we don't have this, this bedrock of truth we stand on, it only is a matter of time before we start arguing with people who want to say, yeah, but the Bible says, man, but the Bible, you know, maybe they got some of that story from this other story, right? And, and because moving pictures are so captivating, my nephew, the cutest little thing since apple pie, anytime there's a screen around, he's just mesmerized by it. It's the same with us. I mean, I could be talking to you, and then all of a sudden... Before time began... There was the cube. We know not where it comes from, only that it holds the power to create worlds and fill them with life. That is how our race was born. For a time we lived in harmony, but like all great power, some wanted it for good, others for evil. And so began the war. And so my Adventist brain with a Laodicean-ism, says, you know, maybe this movie's okay. 
That is, unless I know, wait a second, the heavenly city is a cube, and we're told, I'm going to go here right quick, we're told all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, right? It's like, okay, okay, well then, then what happens when I get to the end of a film like that? Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. You all know there's only one way to end this war. We must destroy the cube. So, here's, here's the deeper level of all of this. Ellen White tells us that there is a third coming. There will be a second coming for a thousand years. Seventh-day Adventists are unique in this belief with some other Protestants that those thousand years for the redeemed are spent in heaven while the earth is basically we destroyed it. And then after that thousand years, we're told all the righteous or the unrighteous dead are resurrected. And guess who everyone believes did that? Lucifer, the light bearer. He has given us life again. And so I want, I want you to think, because if you've heard some of the films from uh, Little Light Studios, you're going to see a lot of these different things. But people are being prepped for the third millennium. They're being prepared for that moment when they are risen and they see the cube coming and they remember things, we're to destroy the cube. So this, this confusion, if you don't have a foundation, and, and I can tell you that foundation doesn't hold up long if you keep bombarding it with error, right? So things like this, uh, all things came from the cube, nothing was created that wasn't created, and then scripture says, well, that's, that's describing Jesus. So the solution is only when Jesus is destroyed do we get the cube, and then do you destroy the cube. I mean, it's just, you can see where it leads us in places we don't know where they, lead, where they land. All right, so check this out. As we're looking at these principles, we're trying to navigate our way through this world we live in. Ellen White tells us in Mount of Blessing, when Satan rebelled against the law of Jehovah, the thought that there was a law, the thought that there was a law, came to the angels almost as an awakening to something unthought of. Wait a second, there's a law? And, and a lot of times we, we theologically make it so fancy, but if we really understand, their law was love. I love you, you love me, everything's going to keep going. And Lucifer said, you know what? I don't like this love, love thing. What if we stop that? You love yourself, I'll love me. And, and so this was the law he presents. The law that none liveth to himself, Satan was determined to oppose. So that's where really, as I've studied this, this is where I get that idea. I think that was the law. That came to the angels almost as something unthought of. None liveth to himself. Satan was determined to oppose. He desired to live for what? Self. He sought to make himself a center of influence. I have a passion for the cities, and I don't think there's anything harder in Adventism than how are we going to mesh and engage with the population in cities and create something Adventists often call centers of influence. We've got a big competitor, and I, I think that's why we don't have a lot of success there. He wants to be the center of influence. Not your vegetarian restaurant, not your health spa. He wants to be the center of influence. And we're told it was this that had incited rebellion in heaven, it was man's acceptance of this principle that brought sin on the earth. What principle? Live for self. That's exactly right. So none liveth to himself was this law of unselfishness. And do as thou wilt, the law of selfishness. These are the two principles of life. They come into business transactions. They come into the bedroom. They come into the kitchen. Uh, when, when people want to eat whatever they want to eat and smoke whatever they want to smoke, they are cutting off blessings from the world around them that they could bless. There are some people in this world that only you can minister to. If your life is cut short because you did things to your body and they are lost because of it, that's on you. And so God is looking to say, hey, how about a whole new paradigm? Live for others. And then if others are doing the same, they're going to live for you. Unselfishness, the principle of God's kingdom is the principle that Satan hates. 
Its very existence he denies. Satan, like a maniac, does not believe unselfishness exists. So therefore he believes God is selfish. Everything he does is selfish. And it's our duty to show the world, no, unselfishness does exist. Lucifer claimed that the angels needed no law, but should be left free, left free to follow their own will, which would ever guide them right. Does that sound familiar? Do what thou wilt? That law was a, that law was a restriction of their liberty, and that to abolish law was one of one great object of his standing as he did. The, the idea that law is binding, and this is the anthem of the millennial generation. There's a reason that the world is a tinderbox. It's because of this idea. Law is keeping us back. It's on them. It's their fault. It's their thing. It's pushing it out there to the point where, you know what, the solution is no law. Anarchy is our answer. And, and we've got to be careful with that sentiment. So this art of deception, let's look more at this. Jesus says, I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. We touched on this the other day, and I want to hit it again, and then we're going to build on it. This is Elon Musk talking about our only hope for humanity because of his other belief in technological singularity that in 55 years or less, the artificial intelligence will destroy us because we're imperfect. We're like a virus. And so this is his fear, and the solution is we've got to get to Mars. Thank you very much for having me. Um, look forward to talking about the SpaceX um, Mars architecture. And what, what I really want to try to uh, achieve here is to make Mars seem possible, uh, make it seem as though it's something that we can do in our lifetimes, um, and that you can go. And and is there really a way that that anyone could go if they wanted to? I think that's that's really the important thing. So. I mean, first of all, why go anywhere, right? Um, the, I, I think th there, there are really two fundamental paths. History is going to bifurcate along two directions. Listen to this. One, one, one path is we stay on Earth forever, um, and then there will be some eventual extinction event. Um, I, I don't have an immediate doomsday prophecy, but there's, it's eventually history suggests there will be some, some doomsday event. Uh, the alternative is to become a space-faring civilization and a multi-planet species, which uh, I hope you would agree that is the right way to go. Yes? <laughs> That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> So how do we figure out how to, how to take you to Mars um, and, and create a, a self-sustaining city, a, a city that um, is not merely an outpost but can become a planet in its own right um, and for us, thus we could become a truly multi-planet species? How does that make you feel as an Adventist? Any words in there that get you excited? Anything? I can tell you, when I saw that, I got excited. I'll tell you why. He believes this. He's putting billions of dollars behind it. He's evangelizing this message. And people are buying it. He believes that it's a solution. Now what's interesting is here, on one hand, he's doing all he can for sustainable energy. Tesla, Solar City. And I, I give him respect for that. On the other hand, he's saying, but probably going to be an extinction event. And we're going to need to be on another place. Right? When I saw this, I got pretty excited because I thought, man, I want when I talk about heaven, for it to be this realistic. He, he makes a statement, something you could believe in, something you could do, somewhere you could go. And it's, it's hard for me when I hear Elon Musk present an idea of Mars, and a part of me feels like, that almost sounds more realistic than going to heaven. How weird is that? I mean, it's just like a pinball machine in my head. Like, like what's going on? He believes this with all of his heart. You know that statement, sometimes the children of men 
are wiser than the children of light? When you share your faith with people, does it sound that real? Now, some people, when he finished, said, dude, is crazy. We ain't going to Mars. And China announces last week, we're going to get there in five years. Somebody's buying it. Money's going into it. Are we living with the same passion, right? With this idea of, hey, we need to be a multi-planetary species. Hey, I believe that too. I, I believe we do have to leave the planet. I think, my personal belief, we've, we will have eaten ourselves to death. Two acres of rainforest is destroyed for grain to feed cattle we can kill every minute. We have a problem killing rhinos, but no problem killing cows. That intelligent alien would be so perplexed by our planet. Right? We, we hold some animals sacred, others not. But this idea is embedded in our psyche. The other morning, when we did our first presentation, I asked the question, tell me about the future. And as we described the future, all of the sentiments were negative. Then I asked the question, tell me about technology. All of the sentiments were positive. So we somehow have diverged on our belief of technology in the future. And, and that's not uncommon. I've asked individuals who have no religious background, tell me about the future. It's often they paint it kind of dark, right? And, and I don't think it's necessarily our fault. Like, we've, we've grown up in a culture where we paint things very darkly. Look at this, Isaiah 14. Everyone there, this is in the future and being stated to Lucifer. Everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Like, Lucifer looks weak now. Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on his prisoners? And we see things like this, right? Hollywood has no problem showing us destruction. We see cities destroyed in film all the time, right? And then we read things from Ellen White. While appearing to the children of men as a great physician who can heal all their maladies or diseases, he will bring disease and disaster until populous cities are reduced to ruin and desolation. So as a Seventh-day Adventist, I've got this strange worldview that that scene we just watched sadly will actually happen. And now you know what scientists are saying? It's going to happen because of climate change. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how it happened. Because if Scripture and the writings of Ella White both tell me he's going to destroy the cities, why would he destroy cities rather than the countryside? That's where the people are. He hates people. So there's, I think there's a reason why in, in Ellen White's writings, her passion gets more and more till almost she's losing her mind at the end of her life. Get into the cities. For the love of God, get into the cities. Do you love people? We, we've got to have a burden for these cities. This is the reality. Why is this the reality? Because we see other scenes like this. That's real footage from Japan. So, so we know these things can happen. So we've got real news clips and Hollywood, and, and unless we have a foundation in truth, I'll be honest, I'd be terrified. There's a reason Scripture says men's hearts, and I think that includes some women, would fail them from fear for the expectation of the things that are coming on the earth. Because without any hope, without any compass of where this thing goes, without understanding the whole story, it's like we watched two-thirds of a film and we stopped. And without knowing, well, I know that at 98% of the film it looks like Lucifer has come, but the last 2% of the film actually show you that Jesus wins, right? 
Satan's policy in this final conflict with God's people is the same that he employed in the opening of the great controversy in heaven. He professed to be seeking to promote the stability of the divine government while secretly bending every effort to secure its overthrow. This is his art. He can work one way above ground while the other side, he's doing something underhanded. Deceiving, trickery. This is his method. So that peace and safety equal destruction. It's, it's an entity you can't follow, you can't trust. So here's what I want to ask you. Adventism's message of prophecy, I believe, has come center stage. Never in the history of the world has there been a moment when Revelation 13 is interesting, more than now. And, and that's got to be with a newspaper and a Bible in your hand. Uh, as I showed you earlier, this one was fascinating because the front page story was on republics and how they end. So people are thinking. When you're sitting on a plane, you're sitting on a bus, people are looking at the news. People are watching these films. People are wanting to know, where are we headed? Where are we going? And if you're not grounded in things that see the whole story from the beginning, because at the beginning of the story, you'll understand the underhandedness of what it looks like to be promoting a, sta a stable government while at the same time undermining it. So what things need to take place? Because we've got to have an inroads to people. We've got to have a way to strike up a conversation. And a lot of times, I think we're afraid to be immersed in culture. I'm not saying you have to watch every movie, listen to every song, watch every basketball game, but it may be good if you knew about these things. Because for some people, that's their world. So if somebody says, hey, did you watch the Super Bowl last night? I don't watch the Super Bowl. How far do you think that conversation will go? Probably not far. Hey, did you watch the Super Bowl last night? Ah, I didn't catch the whole game. I just, man, unfortunately, I missed the game. But uh, whatever your inroads is, look for these, right? We've got to be looking for these inroads. People want to converse. And it's such a rarity in our world of, of digital media that when we get that opportunity, let's use it, right? So what, what are these inroads? On the top right, you're going to see a Siberian tiger. I just had the privilege of seeing one of these, followed by a gentleman telling me there are less than 2,500 of them left in the world. It's the largest cat in the world. He said, and now that they're below 2,500, uh, the gene pool will become so inbred that they will become extinct. And it was amazing to think about that we're living in a generation and I'd like to say most of the persons in this room, our generation is going to see more things become extinct than ever before. Beautiful animals. So we're, we're doing this to ourselves. So I just want to show you some things that are taking place in the world. And we're getting to the end of the story. Like I said, if I stopped in one or two slides, it would be much like the world. I know things are bad. Don't tell me that. But why are things bad? And where does this go? Cities. Agenda 21, there is a reason the majority of the population now lives in cities. Cities can be controlled. Cities can have their water supply shut off. Electricity, shut off. You want to create chaos, empty the store shelves of food. Right? But that's where the people are. So we've got to find a way to engage with the society of the world that is in these mega cities. Climate change, this is going to be the religion of our generation, the environment. And as a Seventh-day Adventist, you have the greatest inroads to let people know, I'm all about saving climate, saving the world. I eat a plant-based diet. This earth could sustain that for millions of years. I, I don't destroy the rainforest to eat. Whatever your inroads with somebody may be, there are ways in which you could say, I want to care for creation. Absolutely. What other things are taking place in the world? We've created an enemy. It's called fundamentalism. These people that read their text and believe it literally and then act upon it. 
And our Muslim brothers and sisters that want to be faithful are now the chosen enemy. Don't think for a second that's where the story ends. And only with your Bible and some writings of Ellen White would you know this ain't about Islam. Fair enough? The world is going to be made sick. The whole world has to be made sick. Why? Because Jesus is coming to heal the diseases of the world. And there is no temptation for me if I'm not sick. So that's why we're seeing sick people all around us. The whole world's getting sick. And it's happening more and more and more. Another thing, we're going to see the replacement of jobs with robots. And for anyone that's ever wondered, is Ellen White really, I mean, she talks about labor unions and trades unions and all this time of trouble business. What do you think is going to happen when the working class of America, who voted to get their jobs back, is now replaced by a machine? That doesn't end well. And then we have the military-industrial complex. Britain, France, and Russia have 30 foreign military bases combined. The United States has 800, and some believe it's 900 bases that we openly acknowledge. That's not including black sites and all these different things. So anybody that wonders, ah, oh, maybe Russia, maybe China, maybe we don't understand prophecy in my Sabbath school, my kooky Sabbath school teacher thinks America still, I mean... At this point, what are you going to do about it? Meaning, think about this. You're a foreign military government. You take a fight with the United States. Oh, really? That's cute. Really, that's really cute. Because guess what? We make your weapons. And guess what? We got a military base in your country. Oh, and guess what? We hooked you with those loans we gave you, and we own your resources. Revelation 13 is alive and well. And so if you believe these things, we should be living accordingly to show people. Because guess what? After all this, I'm going to show you why we are the most at-peace people on the earth. There's some people who get to the end of this and say, oh my word, I'm so scared, I'm fearful. Not at all. Not at all. Okay, here we go. Another thing. Monitoring of citizens. So as you're thinking with your Adventist brain, prophecy, ah, I mean, is this stuff true? Can it, can it really happen like we thought it would be? And Social media, as we discussed the other morning, is being monitored. The, the CIA's venture capital company is investing all their means and resources in data, social media data mining companies. You are in a file. It's not just in the United States. This is happening around the world. This is a surveillance society. And it sounds neat under the guise of there's an enemy out there. Nobody likes that enemy. Let's talk about that enemy. And while all the time nobody's helping that guy, that may not be the enemy they're really going after. Fair enough? And then the last thing is a quite interesting experiment that I was in India recently and they're experiencing this crazy demonetization thing with an encouragement to the youth, it's time we go to a cashless society and create a digital currency. And so anytime someone comes to you and says, well, you think we're going to get like chips embedded in our hand? Is that the mark of the beast? And RFID chips and all these different things. It's, uh, like I said the other morning, I carry my phone everywhere I go. You don't need to embed anything in my hand. I've got my phone with me. It, it pays for whatever I need to pay for, and as soon as everybody gets the little boop thing, I'm good to go. So we have these things. Now, praise the Lord, we still have our freedom with the economy. I can still buy things. Nobody needs to know what I bought. But you can see all these pieces. It's like, it's like a game being set up, right? Being set up. And Jesus tells us that the end of the world is known as the harvest, where two crops will be ripe. I don't think there's much more ripening to do of the tares or the wheat. Fair enough? I, I really don't.
But I think there's more ripening to do of the fruit. And a lot of times I think we've thought, I've got to ripen myself. I've got to get my things together and I need to be ripe. Ellen White says, the world is a theater. It's act- the actors, its inhabitants, are preparing to act their part in the last great drama. And so here we sit. Jesus has not come. And if you ever heard this question, I, whenever I hear this question, I always picture this Japanese guy on the top of this mountain, and someone has trekked all the way up there. He's sitting down. He says, what is the meaning of life? Right? So many people ask, what is the meaning of life? Ellen White tells us the object of the Christian life is fruit-bearing. The reproduction of Christ's character in the believer, that it may be reproduced in others. So in a world that seems to be spinning out of control, we can, we can stay theoretical with our theology. It can be uh, prove this belief from Scripture with eight verses, and you can write it down as if it were homework. But I don't think that's how it works. I honestly think this is it. The world sees all the bad stuff. They're desperately searching for these things. Is there any patience left in the world? Standing in line, I don't see it anymore. Is there any peace? Do you as a Seventh-day Adventist have peace? Take an inventory. Are you joyful? And you may think you're joyful. Ask your spouse. Ask your boyfriend, girlfriend, brother, sister, friend. Hey, when you're around me, would you consider me joyful? Would you consider me somebody who loves people? Am I kind? We can talk the most beautiful sermons. But if I go over to the sound man and I say, look, man, I got a sermon. Like, what's the deal? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are we seeing these amidst us? Is this the reality in your house? Is this the reality as you engage with friends on social media? Is this the reality at your school? Your school may be preaching truth, but if these aren't the reality of the experience, I'd like to tell you it's not the truth. Ellen White says, the fruit, This fruit can never perish, but will produce after its kind a harvest unto eternal life. Yet again, if we stop now, you're thinking, man, I'm not patient. I'm not kind. I'm not joyful. My dad died. I'm, I'm upset. Right? And so, man, I've got to leave GYC. I've got to get my act together. Because the, the tares harvest is ripe, but uh, this other harvest is not. And, and it becomes this whipping, beating, pharisaical religion. Ellen White says, when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Talking about the end of the world. Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself and his church. We've heard this. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. If I stopped right now and you left and you continually rehearsed that last line in your mind, you would be a legalist. Because you would look in the mirror each morning and say, man, I don't have joy. I'm not patient yet. Man, how am I going to be more kind? And it becomes this religion where you are God. Seeking to change your own heart. Right? Ellen White says, continuing on in Christ's Object Lessons, were all who profess his name bearing fruit to his glory, how quickly the whole world would be sown with the seed of the gospel. Quickly the last great harvest would be ripened and Christ would come to gather the precious grain. You can hear unbelievable messages at your church. You can hear amazing messages at GYC. And if we stopped at this slide you would likely be the statistic in the Seventh-day Adventist church, which says 70% will leave after college. I've visited many of our colleges. We're in a crisis. And there is no hope of you sustaining this. I'll repeat that. There is no hope of you sustaining this Christian walk. Because Hollywood is going to entice you. They're going to make a movie on that thing, and it made me make sense, and now the Bible's irrelevant. It's never done anything for me. Ellen White, I mean, what does she know? She's old and dead. I want to show you something. 
that the Lord enlightened me. The way the Lord got my attention from Laodicean Adventism, where I stopped wasting money on Jay-Z concerts, I was obsessed with this guy, obsessed with the music, obsessed with anything I could spend money on. Mission, what is mission? And then he shows me, well, what about this? What about fear God and give glory to him? Yeah, yeah. And then we take people to the glory, and Moses asked Jesus on Mount Sinai, show me your glory, and what does that do for me? And then, I, and then I saw John 15, 8. I'm like, wait a second. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And this fruit analogy has become my paradigm. You know what I'm watching for when I sit next to a Buddhist on a plane? What's the Lord doing in their life? You know what's perplexing sometimes? Why is it my atheist friend has more love, patience, temperance, kindness, joy, is the Lord doing something in your life? Is the Lord not doing something in my life? Wait a second. What's, what's the matter here? This fruit paradigm began to change my whole life. In a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. To them has been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. That's us. On them is shining wonderful light from the Word of God. They have been given a work of the most solemn import. All right, here we go. The proclamation of the first, second, and third angel's messages. There is no other work of so great importance. They are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. And how does that affect me at work this week when my boss gives me 20 more things to do and says, deal with it, you're a loser? Or when I get fired from my job, what in the world is the second angel's message doing for me on Thursday? When my girlfriend dumps me, when my wife leaves me, does this... Yeah, that shouldn't happen at the same time. It probably would. <laughs> but is this message actually affecting you during the week? Right? In a world now where you can hear your favorite preachers from your phone, it's harder and harder to get to church. And so guess what's happening to attendance? Let's be real. It's dropping. Even among the faithful. With the excuse, I can watch 3ABN from my house. Oh, as if church was about information. If church was information, let's sell every piece of real estate and create one sermon by our favorite preacher and tell the world, listen, for 60 minutes. And now you will know what we know and let's all move to heaven together and do what we did on earth. This has to become real. And then if you keep reading, it gets real. And this is the beauty. God got my attention by basically showing me, Jared, the world's not going to last for thousands of years, and you're not going to live for thousands of years. You know what that did to me? Six or seven slides back? What in the world? It was like I was, I was dead and I was revived. But, but fear and prophecy and current events and all these things will only get your attention. If you don't find the source of life, it's not going to work out. You'll probably be an Adventist for five to ten more years. You'll probably go to some churches. You'll probably have some Adventist friends. But the relationship with Jesus will die. And I would say that was happening after 1888. Because Ellen White says, several, several have written to me inquiring if the message of justification by faith is the third angel's message. And I have answered, it is the third angel's message in verity. Basically, you better believe it. That is the message. And then the question is, what on earth does that mean? What is justification by faith? It is the work of God in laying the glory of man in the dust and doing for man that which it is not in his power to do for himself. Don't leave these places, these events, your church, your studies, and say, i got to get my act together. Someone walked up to me and said, i got a lot of deleting to do. You know what I told them? Don't yet. I've done that. Right? For some people, if you're convicted on it, as Lamy shared, you go home, you delete that stuff. That's, that's fine if you're really convicted on it. But you know a lot of us? It's guilt. I'm going to go home and I'm going to delete those songs. Man, I paid like $150 for that stuff. I'm going to delete it because I'm supposed to. 
Then I'm gonna hear it on the radio, and then I'll start listening to the radio. And it becomes this war amongst yourselves. And then you know what happens? Then we start policing other people. And I can't believe you still listen to that stuff. You know you shouldn't. That guy said you shouldn't. And a lot of times, and let's be real honest, I got a lot of questions the other morning. Can you just tell us what to do? Just tell me what to listen to. What should I not watch? We want someone else to be our conscience for us. And we want to just blacklist people. We want to say everything Jared Thurman says is gospel or everything Jared Thurman says is bad. Rather than taking things at face value and saying, what is this and how do I interact with it in my life? This, in my opinion, is the gospel. It is the work of God. And it is a paradigm shift in my life to realize this. Because then, you know what I have to do? You know what my works are? It, it becomes this strange thing, and I'm going to be totally honest with you. Lord, I like Marvel films. I think they're interesting. I think they're entertaining. I want to spend my money on them. The girls are cute, and the guys have big muscles. Pray this prayer. But, but it seems like there's some things that you may not like in there. So, Lord, what do I do with this? I listen to this song and I love it. At the end of it, all I want to do is bad things. So, Lord, what do I do with this? It's, it's for the first time you may have a real relationship with the Lord like you do with your friends. And a lot of us don't have this relationship with friends where we can be honest. I like this bad thing. And, and we, often we don't talk about it. I just want to tell you, God is in the work of changing lives. He is the one every morning you got to say, Lord, today there's going to be temptations. i got a lot of baggage in this life. i got a lot of sin. I mean, I don't need the Lord to remind me of my sin. Most of us, we got plenty of guilt. we got guilt to go around. Right? we got failed relationships, things we've done we're not proud of. And it's not going to help us unless we realize, Lord, I need some help. I need you to do something in my life. And, and this, I would tell you, is the apex of it. The work of God in laying the glory of man in the dust. Everything good about you, this last message that's going to go to the whole world is everything good about you. As great as you think it is. God puts it in the dust. And then he's going to do for you that which it is not in your power to do for yourself. I know this is a radical concept. This has changed my life. And this sometimes requires us to be patient with one another. Because perhaps we didn't delete all those songs as quickly. But, but if we commit to, Lord, I want to listen to what you want me to listen to. Give me two taste buds. I've been eating this thing. I've been listening to this thing. I've been watching these things for so long. Pornography is so addicting, Lord. What do I do with this? And wrestle with the Lord. And he will deliver you from that. And, and here's, the, here's the miracle of it all. These two principles can become your new paradigm. You're going to see that everything in the world that God is behind is under that principle. And everything in the world the devil's behind, it's unsustainable. And it's selfishness. Sing this song with me. Set your eyes upon Jesus
you would bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we're so blessed that you have told us things beforehand so that when they come to pass, we may not be afraid, but we may believe. And Lord, we are so thankful that we understand how this story, this war began. We understand how Jesus came and rescued us from this death that we were destined for. And Lord, we are so grateful that today he's in a heavenly sanctuary ministering for us, seeking to live within us that the mystery of God will be revealed in this world. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Lord, I want to pray that each of us will get real with you. And the Lord, that we will have the experience where we realize all these promises in Scripture that you who've begun a good work in us will bring it to completion. You'll present us faultless before the throne. Lord, we cannot do this. And any of us who have tried for months and years will be the first to line up and tell you it just doesn't work without you being the change agent. Lord, work a miracle in the lives of each of us in this room. Give us new tastes, new desires. We live in a world where media is bombarding us at every minute. And we need, we need to be saved. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, When All Has Been Heard, in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.